Okay. Um, <clears throat> just to kind of wrap up a little bit of uh, where we were at before. In fact, why don't we all just stand up while I'm talking? That way you can kind of move around and shake around. And I think uh, Andrew and Grace were thinking about maybe doing uh, Father Abraham had many sons so we could get some exercise. Um, I was tempted, sorely, sorely tempted. But you're, and you're a better singer than I, so I'd actually rather have you lead that personally. Okay, so, yeah, that's it. Stretch, breathe, I don't care what you're doing there. Just like that, that's perfect. Um, again, just wrapping up something, uh, the ability to have different styles is, again, something I think really important, as long as you both agree with the style. That's, that's a caveat with that. But uh, as I was talking to some of the couples, um, in fact, one of the couples, uh, she happens to be Romanian, and I don't know his background. Um, but the fact is, is she, again, she's, huh? They're missing. Oh. Okay, so we can talk about them. Anyway. <laughs> they're from Clovis. <laughs> they're from Clovis. <laughs> I see. Okay. Um, the fact that being able to, to be expressive, I mean, there's some couples that um, whenever they get mad at each other, like if, if he's mad with her, he'll go on and turn on the TV and open up ESPN. Uh, she's mad with him, she'll go to the store and go shopping. And they'll get back together. And they're fine with that. It works well. It's not like they don't, they're avoiding deeper issues. It's just they just tend not to want to squabble about stuff, and that's their style. Others, like I said, are expressive, and they're, they're you know, all over the place, gyrations, hand motions, and blah. Oh, I see. That's it. And some are just... Aren't you, aren't you engaged in this? Yeah, I am. <laughs> so the point is, is, is I don't want you to feel constrained by this material as if you have to fight a certain way. Does that make sense? We just want you to employ good quality structural habits that are good marriage habits, listening skills. You know, we talked about solvable. If you can employ those tools, they all work but don't try to change your personality or style or preference. So I want you to have the freedom to think about that. So okay? long as if you're the couple that watches ESPN or goes to the market, you make sure you come back and don't yes, stuff. Yes, that's true. Um, so um, I, just a voice of freedom, I guess, is what it is. Obviously, when you're looking at all this material, the handout taking home, you might be the kind of couple that, oh, we already are so busy, how could we even think about getting through this? And others, it's like, yeah, I'll pick and choose. And others, it's like, we're going to do everything, right, honey? And the guy's going, yeah, I guess so. Or, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> the point of all of that is use it as you would. I'm only asking that you have a cultivated desire and an intentionality and a purpose and have a goal. That's what I'm looking for, okay? So today, as we're going to be finishing up, obviously it's after lunch. Some people drop around one. Some people drop around three. Feel free to grab coffee, get up, walk around. We're not bothered by that. We just want you to feel that you can engage and listen, and, and however that looks for you. So feel freedom to do that. Okay, guys. All right. So uh, Father, thanks for you know today again and what you're doing in us and through us and to us. Um, <clears throat> 
we just want to yield. We want to have teachable hearts, myself included. Um, we want to have a uh, humility that expresses itself to our spouse. I, I think we really want to see things cultivate and work well. So Lord, give us understanding and wisdom, impart unto us uh, uh, the ability to hear and the ability to do. Uh, give us hearts and minds. About dreaming together here. Um, obviously, we slogged through this morning a, a lot of, you know, subtle and sometimes very hard, slippery things to conceptualize. Um, you know, probably hit some sore points for some of you. Uh, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> Proverbs tells us that uh, to receive correction is, is wisdom and understanding. Um, and so being able to feel that sense of uh, pinpointing things uh, is healthy and good. And the ability to receive it shows uh, maturity of nature. Um, so uh, if you've got your, everybody have packets? Did everyone get their afternoon packets? Anybody that didn't get their afternoon packets? Okay, we're, we're good on that? Okay. <clears throat> so uh, thriving in knowing and sharing each other's dreams and desires. Um, you remember at some point uh, we were talking, Vicki and I were, were sharing about how um, solvable problems versus gridlock problems. And we talked about being able to um, understand that within that we gave some helpful tips to determine the difference between uh, what might be gridlocked issues, remember that, that list. Um, those are helpful guidelines. And so we're going to talk within this process of knowing each other's desires and dreams uh, from a point of understanding that um, in and of themselves, and I'm looking for that one exercise sheet that I have here. And where, what did I do with it? Ah, there we go. Hmm. Might have lost a piece of paper that I thought I had. Ah, there we go. Um, <clears throat> that there's a couple of levels that we're going to explore about this <clears throat> that both relate to recognizing when we're gridlocked and why, that they are rooted in, in, in dreams and desires, uh, wishes uh, and longings. And then, uh, what about the larger long-term goals and dreams and desires and how we can do that together? What does that mean to share that is what we're looking at. But again, going larger view from God's viewpoint, uh, you might have this hopefully in your handouts. Do they have this in their handouts? Yep. Okay. Thriving by knowing your spouse's desires. Yes. Okay. Good. So, uh, Helen Keller, any, is there anybody unfamiliar with Helen Keller? Well, you guys were taught well in school. That's good. Um, obviously, Helen Keller, who was deaf and blind and overcame that to be a powerful spokesman for the handicapped uh, and, and was powerful for rights for individuals that have handicaps. Powerful voice. This statement is really huge. I liked it. A most miserable person in, the, in this world is someone who has sight but no vision. That's powerful. 
So here's a question for you, and I, it's on your form, but just think about it. Is your life right now, is your, is your existence mere work? Responsibilities, production, tasks, performance? You find yourself in that thought life, in that place. Solomon, who we believe wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, has this to say. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, even so God's done this, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. The Lord has planted in each one of you. Yes. I don't think so. Oh, okay. So just listen then. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we obviously, you know, tried not to mess up, but we did. So just, just sort of listen. <clears throat> and I'll try to make copies of this as you're interested. Um, each one of you has eternity from God's viewpoint planted in your hearts, and, and it, it expresses itself in different ways. The fact that just hard work, task responsibilities, you know, that is not <clears throat> God's ultimate end. But we find ourselves in there. But he, he makes things beautiful for its own time, and being able to see his dreams, his desires from that vantage point is really really helpful. So a natural question can evolve from this is how do we know if we're hoping for the right things? How do we know if our dreams are from God? Hopefully I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit with this. But <clears throat> I want to share a couple of bullet points. One is having a, this is a hope that God wants you to have, is a hope for God's promise fulfilled against all logic. Here's the scripture. Remember Abraham, the story of Abraham? Abram, childless, no inheritance. And the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I'll show you, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. Now, it's hard to put ourselves in his spot, but if, you were, if that was said to you, how would you handle that? That's not God. That can't be God. That's impossible. But what did Abraham do? It says, in hope, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He believed that. He heard the God's bigger vision, God's bigger dream, God's bigger purpose for his life, goals, and desires, and slowly but surely, Abram blended in with those goals and desires. Um, <clears throat> God may put in your heart to dream something great, to build something great for him, in him, for him. Uh, King David, great example. And then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and for the footstool of our God, and I made preparations for building. David had, I want to build a temple. I want to build a temple for God. I want it, and that was his heart to do. 
And uh, one of his advisors, who was Nathan the prophet, said, go ahead and do that. And he walks off, Nathan walks off, and then God speaks to him and says, no, David's not the man. It's going to be his son. So he has to go back and tell David that. And David was good with that. So he knew this was a dream, but he didn't know what part he played in it. Does that make sense? He had to realize that more fully through his offspring, through his son Solomon. So this issue of having these things that God may download on you, sometimes the interpretation or how it's going to work out may be different than you may think it might, but it's still a promise from God. It's still a dream that God's put in your heart. Um, Hoping for a better future, that is a godly hope. That is a godly dream. Let me read this to you out of Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hold on to that. Jeremiah 29. You want to make notes on this. Listen to this next verse to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. I believe that's not only for Joshua. I believe that's for every child of God to have that from the Lord. So the path in and of itself that you're moving forward and thinking about and dreaming about and questioning about can seem confusing and unsettling at times, right? Especially if you can't see what's up ahead. How many of you do better and feel more secure when things are laid out in a complete, concrete plan ahead of you. Raise your hands. Yeah, no shame in that. That's not, a, that's not a limitation. But God has placed his spirit in us through Jesus. And as we commit and submit our way before him, he'll direct your dreams, desires, in walking out your life. Even though it may seem nebulous or confusing, or maybe not really clear. If I walk this way, am I going to walk off a cliff question may come to your mind, especially if you don't know what's up ahead. Let me finish with this last passage. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire, put in parentheses, dream fulfilled is a tree of life. That's God's heart. Sometimes some of your hopes, dreams, desires, whatever they may be, may be put off. And sometimes you may despair and your heart may become sick because you're not seeing it come to fulfillment. But in different ways, God can do that in ways that you may not think could ever happen. As I mentioned, Abraham, David, as two examples. When that dream and desire is fulfilled, it can become a tree of life in you, thriving again, right? Growth, flourishing. That's God's heart for you. So I want you to be encouraged by that. Okay? All right. Let's shift gears to the material here. Um, Thriving and knowing, sharing each other's dreams and desires. Let's delve into this a little bit. And um, dreams and those companion synonyms, desires, hopes, aspiration, wishes, are just part of our identity. They are. And they give purpose and meaning to our life. 
That's just how it works. Um, they operate different levels in our, in our psyche, in our hearts and minds. Some are practical, like wanting to achieve a certain amount of savings. Uh, others can be a lot more profound in, in, in our future. Um, these deeper places can remain hidden. Um, and while more common hopes and dreams pile on top of them. So we're going to examine some of those more on top of before we get to the deeper dreams first. Um, for, for example, I put in there, being a dream, you may have a dream to earn a sufficient amount of money may really reflect a deeper desire or dream for security. Does that make sense? So we have to be dream detectives in some ways as well. And having our spouse work in that process with us and listening to them, also helping them detect this is a part of this process. Um, and I think before we can do that together and to understand our spouse's longer-term, complicated dreams, we have to get a better understanding of what I call the more mundane desires, hopes, and aspirations, and how they fit into our relationship. Um, obviously, we talked about solvable. Um, and again, through a lot of studies, um, differences in gender, personalities, can cause perpetual marital problems. But what about when you're in gridlock, meaning you can't even dialogue to some sort of compromise or partial resolution without hurting each other. Remember those points I, I mentioned. Um, you can watch other couples handle similar conflicts that you're going through with relative ease. They're treating it like it's a cold or some allergies, and yet the conflict to you as a couple is more like a cancer. Right? Have you ever tried to compare yourself to other couples and failed miserably at that process? <laughs> That's normal for humans, but we need to understand that their dreams, desires, hopes, and aspirations, whether mundane or larger, are wildly different from your own. And so being able to recognize why some couples are able to move through when you're not is rooted in the fact that your dreams and desires are in competition and not even being able to recognize that. Um, so... Again, I want to reiterate what I said before. The goal in ending gridlock is not to solve the problem. That may seem counterintuitive to you. And it certainly has been for me. At times, it still is counterintuitive to me, especially when it's uh, rooted in dreams and hopes and desires. Um, but we want to move on to dialogue, effective, productive dialogue that is able to do that. We want to be able to talk without hurting each other, and I want to learn to live with the issue or the problem. So if we understand that sometimes the cause goes beyond gender or personality differences is tied up in these desires, hopes, dreams, and wishes, whether the issue is a momentous like moving to another part of the country, imagine what you would go through. It would probably trigger some deep-seated things that are there as far as your hopes and dreams and desires, right? Um, or the issue is you're entertaining guests in your home. That's one of Vicky's and my's sometimes can be an issue of gridlock for us because we have different desires in working with people and helping people. And so we've learned to understand that and what it's rooted in so now it doesn't become an issue more than 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Ah, we laugh about it because we've been able to dialogue safely past that gridlock. Um, sometimes our deepest dreams are rooted in how we grew up. Um, you may long to recreate some of your warmest memories of family from your youth. Think of a positive memory growing up. Or in your mind, you may need to distance yourself from a painful childhood memories by not duplicating the same activities. Uh, let me give you a story. Uh, it's a Christmas bulb story. We were helping a couple, um, and every Christmas time, there would be this huge gridlock argument of such intensity that you wouldn't believe it over decorating around the house and outside the house. She loved the modern white light slanties, you know, just the modern design with the white lights. He loved the old primary color bulb routine. You remember those, the old color bulbs? Loved it, and they would literally go to war. This was a gridlocked issue. So I, 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 I turned to him and I said, so can you, can you tell me as much as you can understand what Bless you. Um, what the deepest, you know, why this means so much to you? Can you articulate that at all? And you can see him stop and think about it. He said, you know, growing up in my household, there was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of arguments and violence, and, and, and it was just constant, except around Christmas time. Things would really calm down. And, and my dad and I, we'd go out and... and, and put all these bulbs around our house and over the Christmas tree. And that was just meaning to me. And, and, and you could see him begin to tear up. Makes me tear up. <laughs> um, he just started having tears in his eyes. And he said, that just gave me security and, and, and a feeling of belongingness and family. And, and I looked over at her and... <laughs> And I looked over at her and I said, so what's your deep longing? Or what, what do you feel is really important to you about this? Well, it certainly isn't that, that's for sure. <laughs> I just like white lights. <laughs> but all of a sudden, her compassion and, and natural love and compassion just leaped for him. And what was their compromise? Well... We'll do a blended style. I don't care how it looks. We'll do a blended style. And immediately, the gridlock was gone. So you see how this desire, this deep desire, without him even recognizing, was causing this fixed position for him. And it just created a gridlock. So I think that's a great example. Um, you may be experiencing these. You may not. You may be. I don't know. But you can't, if you've reached it, uh, the first step, I feel, is to identify which dreams or dream, uh, what desires or dreams are fueling that conflict. Um, a good indicator is when you're wrestling with a hidden dream is that you see your spouse as being the sole source of the marital problem. If you find yourself saying, for example, that the problem is simply that he is a slob, 
or she is just irresponsible or overly demanding, that's a sign of a hidden dream. It can indicate that you don't see your part in creating the conflict because it's been hidden from view. It's a challenge to uncover these hidden dreams, desires, longings, but it's unlikely to emerge until you feel that your marriage is a safe place to talk about it. This is why it helped to have a third party, Vicki and I were there, with this couple, with the Christmas bolts. It allowed another place to vocalize this, and boom, it, it really made a huge difference in this issue. So if we're building what we talked about, a solid friendship, we're learning to celebrate differences, we're practicing good listening along with thoughtful communication, we're becoming skilled in healthy marital habits that lead to solving or solvable problems with a deep belief that we're co-equal partners together and not alone in this covenant of marriage. We can have a more solid hope of sharing small or large hopes and dreams together, whether it's your dream or your partner's. I know that you know, as you begin this process to recognize and acknowledge your dreams, the problem may get worse between you and your spouse. You know, sometimes the cure, you get worse before you get better. Um, it works in, in the deeper issues of life all the way around, not just physically. So don't despair if that happens as you begin the process. Um, it's okay. Um, you can make it through. Um, even if the gridlock's been a long time, like it wasn't with this couple, the pain's deep, because of this foundation with time and work, the solution will present itself. Trust me. And because the skill of drawing out deeper dreams of your partner or yourself, uh, if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're following him, it starts with the nature of Jesus who lives in you. Because he can strengthen us in humility and a willingness to foster our partner's interests above our own. That attitude is so crucial to helping to delve and bring out hopes and dreams and longings and desires that are in the more mundane level that can fuel an argument. Um, uh, it, it allows us with this attitude to go beyond our own pain or hurt in the gridlock or in the issue. Um, because we know Jesus has taken our hurts and pains and we're able to, to roll them over to him so that we can have a better heart uh, with our partner. Um, because then it's going to allow us to ask the right questions whether or not a deeper desire is behind this pain. Um, I think we'll also have a greater ability not to take our partner's pain and hurt as an attack against you. Isn't that a normal response sometimes? Uh, a normal human response. But with God's grace and his spirit within us, we can actually change that reaction that we might have in a gridlock situation. Um, because I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we all have longings and dreams that aren't being realized. And sometimes we just don't know what they are. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. So... Um, I've got a handout for skill building. This little handout to take home. We're not going to work through it today. But 
This exercise uh, was given by John Gottman, who used actual couple stories to encourage the practice of uncovering hidden dreams. Uh, without at first focusing on their own marriage. Because again, we're not trying to solve the gridlock. We're looking to, to end up in dialogue, okay? Um, below, you're gonna find examples of common gridlock conflicts. Read, read each one, think about what the dreams that might be hidden. Make up your own brief story and narrative. The first two, it, it kinda has the conflict and then it it sort of begins to tell the background, the background story of what was there and what the dream and what the compromise was. The rest, I want you to go ahead at home, and this is helping you to become a dream detective in a sense. Uh, go ahead and talk about it. See what you come up with. And then at the very bottom is some of Gottman's suggestions on what came up about that or his own thoughts. So it, it's not a right or wrong answer. You're just building your skill level of being able to help each other discover your more common dreams, desires, and longings that might be behind uh, a gridlocked issue or even a severe issue that's becoming gridlocked. Does that help? Make sense? Um, so, um, I don't think we'll do that exercise. We'll just we'll let go. Okay. So, anyway... I realize, again, these handouts can seem voluminous. That's a good word. Um, use what's applicable for the moment, and then continue on with the others that aren't applicable. So, uh, Vicki's going to uh, Oh, there we go. Yeah, she is. I'm going to kind of take the microscope now and take it from looking at our dreams together and how they can take us into gridlock as a couple, but also the value of discovering and honoring your dreams as individuals within your marriage. Because you. when you come into this covenant together, you each most likely have dreams. Maybe um, he longs to be a successful musician. She wants to buy and decorate her own home. Um, she may have aspirations in the career field in some regard. He may have other things that he wants to accomplish. And I think it's important for us to think about those things and support each other in our individual dreams. It's easy over the years, the longer that you're married, to find yourself in, your, in this place of business and, as usual. You're doing your part as husband and wife and possibly eventually parents and you're working at your jobs and you're taking care of your home and life can become this cycle of just getting it done. As Gunther referenced earlier, you're, you're doing a series of tasks day in and day out. But when you were dating, most likely, and early on in your relationship, maybe you talked about things that you were passionate about. Maybe you talked about things you wanted to accomplish. 
dreams and goals that you each individually had in the future. So I'm encouraging you for a little while right now to revisit those things and think about it. You know, God did not bring the two of you together just for the business of doing life on a, on a day-to-day basis. Carrie and Greg are going to talk about that more uh, shortly. But it's important to remember that just getting it done, the business of marriage, that's not, that's not it. There's so much more. And part of that can involve what God has placed in your hearts individually. So think about some of these things. Maybe it's been a long, ta- long time since you've even talked about what your personal dreams might be. Maybe you've never talked about it. Maybe, maybe you've talked about it and you've lost hope because it's been a long time and things haven't happened the way you wanted it to. Maybe you've talked about it and that's all you've ever done is talk about it. You haven't had either the courage or the vision or the belief that you could actually walk out and accomplish those things. So I'm just nudging all of us, myself included. I have dreams for my life. Obviously, anything that involves me involves my spouse and vice versa. But I have dreams and visions that aren't necessarily Gunther's. And the same is true of him. So I'm encouraging you, take a look at some of these questions. Think about them. Dare to dream again for those of us that have laid those things down. Dare to think about... Could it possibly be something that's feasible and attainable? Could this actually be God? I'll share something from my own personal life. I love to write. I always have. And for years, I thought about, you know, what if I wrote something? I don't know, a book, books, a story, whatever. And I I thought, well, maybe it's children's books. And I would write from time to time. There was a period of time where... And with our nonprofit, A Married for Keeps, I, we were blogging for a while, and then it just got to where it was too much to keep up with, and so I laid that down. Well, over the course of the last few years, it occurred to me, I have this dream. I want to write. And I just sort of laid it down because the business of life has gotten in the way. So recently, I've been challenged. What if that was the Lord? I mean, what if it wasn't? What do I have to lose, right? But interestingly enough, over the course of the last probably six months, I've had so many people, random people, even people I hardly know, come up to me and say things like, you should write. All the while as I'm praying, Lord, is this a dream that you've put in my heart? So I'm daring to dream again. I have no idea where this is going to go. It might just be this big story that my kids will have to be burdened to read. I don't know. But, (laughs) I mean, seriously, I have no idea where this could go. But I'm daring to dream again because it's something that's been resident in my heart for decades. So I'm encouraging you. Is there something in your heart that you've always wanted to do? Talk about it. Dare to share that with your spouse as bizarre and maybe outlandish as it might sound. Talk about that with each other. Ask each other those questions. What if, what if, you know, 
What would you really like to do? Is there something you'd like to accomplish? Is there a group of people that you'd love to invest in? Maybe it's a foundation of some kind. Maybe it's some charity. Maybe Who knows? And how can you, if it's not your personal dream, how can you support the dream of your spouse? How, what do you do when your spouse has some dream that you have zippo interest in, but it's really important to them? Can you talk about and explore ways that you might support him or her in that endeavor? Can I share personally with that? Yeah. On the side of writing, when I hear the word write, that just means I'm right to me. <laughs> but in hearing, I don't have a desire to write, but how could I support her? Well, she came up and requested, look, um, it was just recently, um, and not because I'm a great guy, so you got to hear this for what it means. Um, she, we had, she had a women's retreat. She was going to be gone for, you know, three, four days. <clears throat> she had another trip planned to be with the grandkids, where she's going to be gone two or three days. And she was proposing uh, to go down for four or five days and go writing in that same time period. Um, and I had to really think about it and, and really mull it over and process it within my own mind and heart. <sighs> wow, there's a lot going on. I, you know, I've got some things I really need to work through, and you know, I'd love to have you around to help that. You know, just a lot of thoughts. And eventually I just, you know, this is a dream. This is a dream of hers that's been running around in her heart and mind for a lot of years in different ways. Let's go for it. And so she went down to a friend's place that was vacant down in Lido, spent that time, and gosh, uh, you know, what she described, maybe she didn't come back like, oh, I've got publishing rights, I'm ready to go. Um, <laughs> That would have been great. Oh, wouldn't that be great? You know, but, and it wasn't, you know, she came back with momentous revelations. She had this whole script, you know, there was just progress. And I was okay with that. I was happy with that. Um, so I don't know what other, you know, sacrifices or what I'm going to have to do to support this, um, but it's coming. So just a personal side note on that. Sometimes in that process, as you're discussing it with your mate, you need to talk about what sacrifice might be involved in that. And are you willing to make it? Is there a cost involved? Is there a time frame involved? All those things. Don't be, don't be afraid to unpack that. My bottom line is, you know what? If it's God, great. If it's not, do I really want to push that? Sometimes the dream is God-inspired and it's possible or even impossible because that's what God does, right? But maybe the time's not right. We've had those where Gunther's had dreams and I, I've wanted to support him in that dream but just didn't feel like, I don't, I don't think this is the time, babe. I just don't. I hate to be the one to kind of put up the stop sign but I'm not feeling it. And in time, we both reached a place where, you know what, this is it, it's now. Let's go for it. 
we, we just have firmly believed that agreement is important in our household. And timing can be, timing can be a factor. Another issue, are you willing to work for that dream? Sometimes it means setting goals, the big G word. I hate that word, goals. Because for years, setting a goal meant not meeting it, <laughs> failing, and trying again, right? That's the, what we're all afraid of with goals. I'm going to set a goal, and it's not going to happen, and then, huh. But sometimes it means setting goals. Sometimes it means in a financial investment. There's a lot of factors that can be involved in dreaming. It's important to count the cost. What steps need to be taken to achieve that? And then um, checking your attitude, praying about it together. So I'm just stirring the pot a little bit today because I know probably all of you, if not most of you, have individual dreams that maybe you have never voiced or, you, or you've never discussed together. Think about how amazing that would be to support each other in those dreams and see them realized and what a difference this collective group could make in the world if we pursued those dreams together and supported, supported them. I mean, phenomenal, world-changing possibilities. I'm not kidding. You remember Vicki brought up the point about needing help, and sometimes there's a resistance, especially with us men. But we've known, for instance, uh, a couple that had been married probably 15 years and through different circumstances had gotten themselves into deep debt. And one of their shared dreams was to be debt-free so that they could just be debt-free, but also had plans what it meant to look like being debt-free, but they didn't know how to do that. And so uh, we suggested, here's a couple of financial advisors that can really give solid advice on what that might look like that would work for you as a couple. And sure enough, um, they went and through, you know, sometimes a process of stop-start, going back, within what was it, two, three years, they were debt-free. And it was an amazing transformational moment for this couple. So the idea of asking and answering that question, do you need help to fulfill a dream or shared dream, has to be a part of this process. I really believe that. So be willing to ask that question. And then also, you know, as we move toward the end of our day today and we begin to talk about, you know, mission together, um, in that is your dream together as a couple. So be encouraged. Also, just as you have individual dreams, discover together what, you're, what do you want to accomplish as a couple. You were born and put together to make a difference in this world. It's not just about my home, my family, my job, my life. There's purpose for each one of us that goes much farther than just, like I said, business as usual. So um, moving forward. We're way ahead of time. No. Moving forward, we want to talk a little bit now about um, spiritual expression together, okay? But before we do that, let's stand up. A place out of which our relationships together flow that when there's vitality in life, in my relationship with Christ, that naturally goes into uh, my marriage. We, 
just curious. I mean, I know that we talk about as Christians our life together as believers and developing a spiritual expression together. But I think that the reality is that's really a place of struggle in most homes. Trying to figure out what that looks like, what your responsibilities or roles are meant to be in that place, even for those who practice it, sometimes it's inconsistent. I think that there are um, expectations that we place on ourselves that may be somewhat realistic. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, it's important. Scientific research has confirmed what common sense has been telling us all along, that tending to the spiritual dimension of a marriage is what unites couples in unbreakable bonds. Think about that. Tending to the spiritual dimension of a marriage is what unites couples in unbreakable bonds. Ecclesiastes talks about a threefold cord isn't easily broken. Husband, his wife, and Christ braided together. There's a strength there that is not easily frayed. It's important to know. So how do we practice that? A marriage thrives when the soul of the marriage, bringing Christ into that relationship, is nourished. I think a lot of people traditionally in the church have this belief or expectation that what that looks like is the husband and wife get together regularly, maybe daily, and the husband teaches his wife out of the scriptures. Have you ever, you know, heard that or ever had the feeling like that's how it's supposed to play out? I know for years back in the old days, that was kind of what was taught. That was that was what was presented. But what happens if Oh, and the husband's supposed to initiate this activity. I know a lot of times in uh, counseling, we've had wives upset with their husbands because he's not teaching me in the word. And if I don't bring it up, it doesn't happen. Um, what if he's introverted? What if that's not his gifting, teaching? What if he's not as spiritually mature as she is? He's being set up for failure, and she's being set up for disappointment. So I, we just wanted to explore with you that there are a number of ways as husband and wife that we can nourish and express uh, and discover a spiritual expression in our home, Sorry. something that's more comfortable and attainable for us. Just as... Each couple has its own personality. This part of your relationship can also develop its own personality based on who you are, what your needs are, how your schedules work. All of that plays into it. So maybe you would ascribe to that traditional view. You get together on a regular basis, and husband, you like to teach your wife out of the scriptures, and she loves to hear what you have to say, and that works for you. That's great. And you initiate it every time. That's awesome, if that works for you. Maybe it feels restrictive, however. So let's, I just want to ex explore a little bit and give you some ideas, other ideas of perhaps some spiritual expressions in your home. What if 
you simply read a passage, assuming that you individually have some kind of an ongoing intimacy with the Lord, right? For me, what that looks like, generally first thing in the morning, I like to get up and I like to just go to him first. Most often before I even get out of the bed, out of bed. not because I'm amazing, but because I know if I even put my feet to the ground, it's done. I just get involved in other things, and then my time with, with the Lord just doesn't happen. So I like to lay there in bed minutes after I've opened my eyes and just get in the Word, sometimes even if it's just a scripture or two, and just think about those things and present myself to Him for the day. And sometimes it's a few minutes, sometimes it's longer. That's just the way I do things. So what if then, and I know Gunther generally does the same. He usually, before he even gets up, he's usually doing the same thing. So for us, the, what that looks like sometimes is he'll ask me, so what'd you, what'd you get this morning? What'd you, what'd you read? You know, I read this passage, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll share with me a passage that he read, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. Or maybe one of us, you know, more often than not, I may have questions of him. He's the teacher. So what do you think about this? Or, and he'll, we'll talk about that. That works for us. We don't shock, don't tell anyone. We do not pray together every day. We don't. <laughs> but we do pray together on an ongoing basis. Sometimes we're in the car and we're just praying out loud together. Sometimes if a situation comes up and we're talking about it, we pray together right then. Um, you want to tell the ambulance story? Oh, yeah. When we, when we were dating, I didn't, under, I didn't realize that you could actually pray with your eyes open. <laughs> I didn't know you could pray standing or walking. I thought you needed to get on your knees and close your eyes and fold your hands. I kid you not. So we're driving somewhere, and an ambulance uh, drove by, full sirens blaring, and Gunther's driving, obviously, thankfully, with his eyes open. And he just starts to pray, oh, Lord, you know exactly what's going on in that ambulance right now, and I just ask that you'd be there and be with that family and just blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you can do that? <laughs> I'm not, I mean, it sounds so silly now, but it opened up this whole world for me. You mean we can pray as we go, I didn't know that that was possible. So oftentimes, that's what, we, that's what we do. In the course of a conversation, we'll just, you know, somebody calls or texts us that something's going on and it's, it's not good. Oh, my gosh. So we'll take 30 seconds to pray. That's part of our spiritual expression together. Not always, but it's not a concerted, defined, okay, now it's prayer time. For some people, that's how they do it, and that's great. And also, from Vicki, what I've received, how I was raised, um, my dad was, came from a long line of military you know, heritage. And so my dad's waiting, way of relating to me, and I was sharing this with uh, uh, Vanessa and Brad last night, um, that... How it worked in my household is my dad would give the orders. I would say, yes, sir, and go off and proceed to do those things, whatever they were. And if I did them, there was approval. There was recognition. When I didn't, there was a turning away. So even though conceptually when I became a Christian, I understood 
the, you know, the fatherhood of God, the love of God. The, the, I, experientially, I was far removed from that. I was much better at wanting to go in. What do you have to say, Lord? I'll do it. Good. Okay, see you later. We'll talk later about this. Vicki had a much more richer experience of just the fatherhood of God, the tenderness, the, the, the place of, you know, what you might say, like it says in Romans, God has put a spirit in us that says, that cries out back to God, Daddy, Daddy. Um, that was foreign to me experientially. But Vicki's initiation of this and living it out in front of me taught me the love of God in a way as a father that I had no grid for being able to have that. I, I remember our honeymoon. Um, Vicky became concerned that she might have breast cancer. And I remember going to the car absolutely terrified. I'm going to lose her right away. And I haven't even had a chance to be married to her. And one of those times when I can't say it was an audible voice, but about as close as it could be in my heart and mind, I just heard him say, don't worry, this is nothing. I've brought her into your life to teach you my love. Oh, I thought I knew that. <laughs> I remember dialoguing with him about that. And so Vicky's spiritual richness taught me in some really wonderful, profound ways about that spiritual expression. And we share that much better today. Some other ways to consider your spiritual expression together. What if you choose a book and read it together? I'm not talking about fiction. I'm talking about some scripturally based, you know, <laughs> on, on marriage or ch child rearing or intimacy or prayer or whatever. Choose a book and read it together. Um, listen to a podcast, watch a live stream, or even a spiritually based movie together can be a springboard for some ongoing dialogue. What about worshiping together in your home? Whether one of you plays an instrument or you put on music, what about worshiping together and taking communion? That could be an incredibly wonderful and intimate spiritual expression. Do you journal? Pick a topic. I know couples who keep a journal. They each have a journal, and they choose a topic, and they'll write uh, on that topic in their journal, and then they'll exchange journals and read what he, the other has written. Some couples enjoy painting. I just was talking to somebody the other day, and they, use, they would paint together. And it was a wonderful ex experience. Why not paint something that has to do with, a, you know, whatever, a verse or something that has some spiritual significance for you. Enjoy that together. You can see that you can be as creative as you want to be. You do not have to be restricted to some cookie-cutter way to express um, your spiritual lives together or explore what God's saying to you together. We know one couple that dances together. That's, that's their, their expression. I can't even do the I'm not talking step. about going to bars and dancing, but yeah, there's a no, different expression to it. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, they weren't thinking that. Do you think well, they were thinking I that? I was, obviously. <laughs> 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 oh, that's good. 
One key element to your spiritual expression is prayer, and I do want to just make a couple closing remarks about prayer together as a couple. Um, in Matthew 18, Jesus said, I truly, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, I can't base this theologically. Maybe there is a theological argument for this. But I believe because God has designed marriage to be an earthly expression of Christ and his church, it's a powerful, powerful symbol and expression of that dynamic here on temporal earth. I believe that when husband and wife do pray together, it is one of the most powerful and effective prayer models in existence. I really do. I know that for us, when we're facing a perpetual problem, when we're facing a crisis perhaps in our family, and trust me, over 43 years, we have faced more crises than I care to tell you. When we're facing a problem that just will not go away or one in which we are completely stumped and have absolutely no idea how in the world the Lord is going to get us out of this. When we covenant to pray together on that issue over a period of time, more often than not, that gridlock is broken, that crisis is averted, that situation is healed, the solution comes to us. We often think the solution is going to be either A or B when God's solution is H. He's the master of creative solutions. And I can't tell you the number of times when we have no idea how this is going to work out and the Lord will bring some solution that who knew? Or he'll just make the whole thing go away or he'll, we'll have to walk through it. We may have to walk through the valley of the shadow but he will be with us. And it's when we covenant together as man and wife to pray through whatever that is that I'm telling you, powerful, powerful things have happened. We've had kids nearly die more than once. We've faced financial cataclysms. We've, I mean, Gunther's been at death's door literally with toes over the threshold more than once. God is faithful. And when the two of you pray together. And it doesn't have to be some, you know, long, lengthy, liturgical, impressive, mature prayer. Honestly, sometimes our prayers are literally as simple as, oh, help. But we're praying it together. And the Lord hears. So look at it. What, how, how do you, how, do, how is your intimate, personal, spiritual life expressed? And how can you match that with your spouses so that you have times of doing that together? So that together, as man and wife, you can hear what God's saying to you. Now, we, we understand that we're all in different places as individuals in, in this relational walk. So... and this is a delicate one, but just understand that at different times of life, different places, different examples, that one of you may be feeling a lot closer in this relational walk than the other one is. 
that doesn't mean the one who doesn't is somehow lagging behind. That's important. That really is important. You know, there's, there's <clears throat> you know, as the word says, there's one way into this kingdom, and that's through Jesus. But there's multiple ways the Father draws people to his Son. And I think we have to allow for that difference of expression and time and what that looks like so that when we're talking about praying together, it may be silently that you're doing that. You may not be a vocal prayer. Honestly, I, I know a lot of people do that. So if, if one of you is a vocal and the other one's uh, quiet, you know, silent, go with that model. You know what I'm trying to say here? That, that's really important to be able to work within the rhythm of the relationship you have and where a particular person is at in their journey walking with Christ at that moment in time. It can change. So just be aware of that and thoughtful of that. And just as valuable, not a, not a burden to bear, but as God gives you grace, pray for your spouse. As you grow in friendship, you learn about dreams, you learn they share their weaknesses with you, their needs. You know more about that person than anybody else on the planet. Pray as God gives you grace. Actually, just as an exercise before we have Greg and Carrie come up, why don't you just grab your spouse's hand, if you can, and just pray silently for each other for about a minute or two. Okay? But um, expressions. Uh, and why don't you go ahead and do that? And we'll take maybe... Happy birthday. <laughs> okay, uh, so we're going to get started. Uh, my name's Carrie. I get to sit in the Oprah chairs. Thanks, Chris, for that visual, because it's so true. Uh, this is Greg, and... Take it away. Take it away. Well, before we get started, um, I just want to say thank you to Gunther and Vicki, who, yeah, let's give them a hand. Yeah, you, you guys are so great, and we are so thankful for you and all that you guys put into this. It's just super valuable, and we know that it's an area of passion for you guys, and uh, you guys have, you know, just been replicating yourself over the last many years, too, just wanting to invest in other people. It will help to encourage the marriages. And so we're just thankful for all that you guys do. And pulling this thing off was no small feat. And uh, so we're just thankful for you guys. Thanks for all your work. So, um, oh, yeah, we get your notes. So, yeah, we are Greg and Carrie. And um, we are excited to talk about uh, just serving together, ministry and marriage. And so, the, the summary of what we're going to talk about as we think about this uh, theme of thrive, the main point, we're going to tell you what we're going to tell you before we're going to tell you. 
The main point is that couples who thrive together have a clear vision for how their combined gifts uniquely serve uh, others. So we're going to talk about gifts, and so to do that, you have to talk about spiritual gifts, and so um, we have some passages we want to read through and, and talk through what, what are the spiritual gifts and how do you understand those. Um, and I think it's important, too, that as we talk about this idea of serving together, I think a lot of times if you've been in church for some period of time in your life, you can just immediately jump to like a role in ministry, right? Like, well, maybe we should help with the kids, or maybe we should be in youth ministry here. So, but I want to start with a really broad definition of ministry, which I think we could just call it um, just allowing God to minister to, through you to someone else anytime, even at the grocery store, uh, or even to your neighbor as you're having a conversation. And so let's use that definition, and it, it can include um, activities in, in the church and roles in the church and places to serve within the church, and I think it does. Um, but I think that God has given each of us as individuals uh, a gift or gifts and ways with which that he has, has empowered us and will empower us and wants to empower us through his Holy Spirit so that we can bless, encourage, and bring life to someone else. And that's what it means to have the spiritual gift alive in you. But in addition to that, and the other main point that we're going to get to is that, that God has uniquely gifted you and you as husband, wife, couple, in order to bring about some kind of unique blessing to other people. And that that's a unique combination. And there's no other combination like that. And so part of the exercise we'll do after we're done is to go through that um, real short assessment where um, it lists out 20 different gifts. And, and we'll talk through those in a minute here. But yeah, so we want to talk about spiritual gifts. And we'll talk about um, kind of how to understand how you're gifted, that these assessments can help. Um, and then what does it look like to have that combined gifting? How do they come together as husband and wife, how do you help each other explore those gifts, um, try it out? How do you help each other exercise those gifts through all the different seasons of life? If children can um, create or bring about challenges for how to know how, how to know when you can serve and how you can serve, or how you integrate them, and, and even how you can have a vision for your whole family and how your whole family are gifted as you as you see them grow and your kids have gifts. So we'll talk about that too. So. Um, so let's start with the spiritual gifts throughout Scripture. There's, there's Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 um, and a few others. And so there's not really one comprehensive list that's the perfect summary like, uh, that just says, here's all the spiritual gifts. Um, we kind of take the various passages, and that creates like a mosaic of the ways that God uh, has empowered us through his Holy Spirit, and that those are the expressions of human ministry to others that it's empowered by God's Spirit. So let's start with Romans 12. You want to read that? Okay. Romans 12, 4 through 8. Romans 12, 4 through 8 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
Yeah, what I love about each of those at the end, and again, that's not the fully exhausted list, but, you know, it's really saying, where you have received a gift, do it. <laughs> you know, almost not much more than that. It's, as you've received, uh, live it out. And each time that the, the Bible talks about spiritual gifts, it uses a couple of themes, one of which is oneness, unity, and another which is, is the body, like the human body. And uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, we're not going to read um, that whole passage, but uh, he goes into quite a bit of length of talking about, you know, what if I'm uh, one part of the body and I say that I'm not going to do my thing, then the, the rest suffers. And so I think it's really important that you think about this analogy of the human body, that every body, every part of the body has a job, you know. And so just imagine your hand or your foot or your eye is not well or not doing its job the rest of the body is going to be affected, right? You've, you've felt that. You have a bum knee or something, and it just kind of messes up everything. You can't walk. You can't jump. And so that's, using that analogy, certainly with the church at large, but I think it's um, one of the, the premises we're operating from is that the, the large church can be uh, kind of simplified down into our family unit. So in other words, like the, the family is a little mini church, and even a husband-wife couple is a little mini church when, when they're gathered. And so how is that body with its members functioning, and how are they doing the thing that they were designed to do? And so, um, so that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we understand um, our giftings and that we can do the thing that that God has really specially gifted us uh, with. Um, let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 26. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Yeah, so this is especially true in marriage, right? As one part suffering, it's, it's very, you feel it. And you, it's very, you're very aware of the fact that Something's not right. We need to, to work on that or address that or, you know, get healthy or whole. Um, and then likewise, you know, when one is honored or rejoicing, it's really special and that you love that person so much. And if they're rejoicing in something, you can really celebrate that together. So you can just kind of see how that analogy of the body, the human body, and all things operating well or things not going as they should, um, that, that they're all interwoven and linked. And that's one of the reasons why. Um, op- operating out of our gifts and, and thriving together um, is so important. Um, so let's read Ephesians 4. This is another, the other kind of major passage of Scripture that talks about um, the different gifts. And so we'll read through this together. Just, just listen to it or look, open it up if you have it, but just listen in. It'll be um, about 10 verses here. Okay, so Ephesians 4, starting in verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. 
Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Yeah, I love this verse in verse 3 of Ephesians 4. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And I think that this, this theme of unity and oneness uh, that's spoken about throughout all the places where the Bible talks about gifts, there's a reason. It's because you, in order to, to fully exercise the gift that you have, um, it's going, you're going to bring about this connection and, and you're going to be serving one another, and you're going to be uh, just living out the life that God has for you, and that develops even more unity and connection uh, between each other. Um, it also talks about the, um, the growing and maturity in Christ, and I think that the spiritual gifts and the ways that we kind of understand what God's implanted in us, God's designed those in the church so that we could bring about the spiritual maturity of others, and that's um, as we grow in Him and as we become um, more like him and we grow in our discipleship, uh, we recognize that there are others that we can serve and pour into and, and have um, a blessing to them. It's where it says, you'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Uh, that's the, the gift of teaching that's been poured out into the church so that the church can be really understanding uh, the counsel of God. Um, there's also, um, verse 16, it says, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. And just think again about that human body and the bones and the ligaments and the way it's held together. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So each part is doing its work and it's building itself up in love, just like the ligaments and the bones and the, the muscles. And it's all coming together as one body I think that's just another um, metaphor that helps us understand what it, become, what it looks like to become a, a healthy body as, as a couple and as a family. Um, so it's, think about that as a, as a family. How often are you thinking of your family, whether you're a couple or a couple with kids, as a mini church? And... Do you, do you think about your environment in your home as if you are the pastors of your home? And, you know, that's very much a pastoral way of thinking. Um, and as Carrie and I were thinking through this, and, and we're going to go through an, an assessment here. There's the short assessment, and then there's the longer one that we took that, those concepts from and those um, categories from. So we'll want to send that home with you guys. But it's a little bit longer, and it Helps you, it asks you like seven questions for each of the gifts to kind of help understand how you um, exercise that in any way or resonate with the, um, the description. And as we did it, uh, we uh, both realized that we both have pastoral uh, giftings in, in the fivefold ministry the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, which it talks about in Ephesians 4, um, which are on your sheet there is five of the leadership gifts. Um, uh, Carrie and I both feel we've got um, some, some desire for that and, and gifting in that. And so um, that's where it's, it was natural for us to kind of think of, oh, okay, what does it look like to pastor our little family? Um, and I encourage you to think about that too. Um, and that, that may or may not be your gifting, but that's, this is the gifts being exercised, right? It's 
someone that has that that says, hey, think that way. And, and perhaps there'd be um, just this richness that comes about in your family by thinking about how you can become a little mini church where you are doing the work that the church was designed to do, which was to, to be the light in the world and the hope in the world, uh, light in your neighborhood, blessing to your neighbors. Um, so I, I think that the, um, the analogy here of the church being one body, thinking human body, and each part has gifts, it then brings about, as it's operating well, it brings about this, this idea of unity. You've all, I'm sure, in your, in your seasons or times, been part of a group of people that when it just seemed like everybody was doing the thing they were meant to do, whether it's a team or a church or a small group or a, a, a working group at work, it's just so fulfilling when there's that unity, right? Everybody feels like they're doing the thing they're supposed to do. Um, what that then leads to is this feeling of, of love and this, um, this oneness. And that's going back to 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul goes through all these different gifts. The next thing he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, and he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, you know, I'm annoying. <laughs> or if I speak prophecies, uh, it's, it's a waste. If I, but if I don't have love. And so that's where we're seeing that connection, that there's the body, the, the church is a body of Christ. It, each has members with gifts. It, there's this uh, coming together and this being one in unity, and it's, when it's done in love, it's a beautiful thing. And so follow that same sequence of our little family units, our, our one body with different members, and each one has its gifts, and when it's operating with these gifts in a beautiful nature, you are, you are one, and there's this beautiful unity, and where you have increased love and uh, awareness that you're pouring out for the ones around you in your little nuclear family and, and out, um, that's those gifts bringing about that, that amazing um, richness, and we can use the word thrive. That's when you're thriving together. Um, so that's what we wanted to cover in just understanding the spiritual gifts. Um, you'll see on your sheet here that if everybody has a copy, we'll just look through this um, briefly, and then we'll have a couple of closing thoughts um, and then we can work on this, um, this assessment together. So I really appreciated the way that they put these gifts together. Um, this is a resource that Gunther had that we went through it. And it, again, we'll send a copy home with you. But it's helpful to think about these gifts in these four different groups. These word gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discernment, exhortation, and uh, this idea of ruling or casting vision. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a lot of communication and recognize that in all of those word gifts, it involves somebody else. And that's a principle that I think is nearly always true, is that the exercise of the spiritual gifts is involving other people. And it's some connection to them. These power gifts, missions, miracles, faith, trusting God, tongues, healings, um, those are supernatural. That the Holy Spirit brings about a supernatural uh, act or action or, or outcome uh, through you to someone else. Um, the love gifts, government or administration, help, mercy, giving, hospitality, you know, to, to open your home to strangers. Uh, that one stuck out to me that... It's um, 
What did you say about that? Was there something you heard someone say something about? Uh, I think I heard John Mark Comer say, if you're, having, you're opening your house up to your friends, that's not hospitality, that's opening your house up to your friends. Um, but hospitali true hospitality is opening your house up to, your stra to strangers. I mean, I think there's a principle there that's, that is true when you open your house up to your friends, but yeah. he was just making a point that hospitality is more than just having a bunch of fun friends over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'm not as hospitable as I thought. <laughs> Just, <laughs> um, but there's there's a theme of love there, and, and just caring for others. And again, it, that each of those involves you know serving other people, and then leadership, apostleship, uh, prophecy, evangelism, pastoral gifts, and teaching. So. So that's what we'll go through um, in a minute here, and you guys can do it, do it on your own, and then there's some questions at the bottom that are kind of guiding you how to do this as a couple and see where there's um, some interaction. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about, okay, so we're each individual members of this body, and we're calling the, the family, whether we're two or more, uh, a little, little mini, mini church. And so how does that body operate and function, and what does it look like for... Um, this unique combination of gifts here, gifts here to come together. Um, how do you find out what those are? And then how do you know that it's really a spiritual gift? Um, so let's talk about that. Do you want to cover this? Um, how do I know if I'm gifted? Well, I think a lot of times um, it kind of fits in with our natural bent, the way the Lord has made us, um, that our uh, we have lots of natural, like a, maybe a natural bent towards administration, like for Greg, for example. Um, and then the Lord is, um, can divinely give you a, a supernatural gift kind of in that same vein. Um, it's helpful to kind of know what that is. And so that takes some intention and some thought through um, your own life, seeing uh, where you think you might be gifted. Um, that can be through taking an assessment like we're providing here. Um, but also just intentionality with each other. Um, you know your spouse, you've seen them operate in different areas um, in ministry or in their work or in just in other areas of their life. You, you might have noticed a trend um, or seen that they are um, just exceptionally discerning or um, they're really good at talking to people who they don't know um, and just striking up conversations or things like that. Um, so help each other think through you know, especially if you're, you have no clue what you might be gifted in, help each other think through those things um, and kind of see maybe where the Lord has gifted you and what your bent is. Um, and then try those things. If you think it might be that you have um, a special gift of hospitality, practice that. Have someone over to your home. Um, I think, too, the community groups are such a great place to practice your gifts. It's very safe. Um, and you can kind of, it's, it's another mini church when you are in a, a group of believers that you're, you know, from our church or whatever church you're part of, um, to practice what your spiritual gift might be. And those people um, hopefully really love you. And so when you make a mistake or things don't go as well, then that's okay. And you can try something else. I mean, sometimes it's like there's not really a failure. Um, but it might be harder to have people over and than you thought it would be. And maybe you're not gifted in hospitality, but hey, like you had people over and that was great. You know what I mean? 
Um, so yeah. finding that safe place to try things out, um, mm -hmm. whether it's in your home with your spouse and your family or in your community group, um, or maybe you serve, um, I don't know, in youth ministry and um, you think you might be discerning and you feel like the Lord wants you to encourage this junior hire. Like take a step mm -hmm. of faith and use um, wisdom uh, to, to encourage that the, the kid and, and, you know, in some way, um, you know, don't say God said you should do this. <laughs> Those sorts of, um, you just have to be, use your wisdom to encourage, um, encourage others. But yep. I think it's, it's really helpful to ask that question. How do I know I'm gifted? And there, it takes a process. It's not like you can take a test and then, you know, and then suddenly you just, you know, it, it takes practice. Um, how do you know it's, it's spiritual gifting when you're testing, when you're testing out or trying the thing? Um, I would say in general, it feels somewhat effortless for you. That doesn't mean it's always easy. But as you're exercising that, and it didn't really feel like some uh, crazy thing for you, but then someone said, that was amazing, or that was a really blessing to me. So I think that's the second piece. So it's effortless for you, but it's an incredible blessing for the receiver. And so um, I think in general, there's less duty and more delight when you're exercising your, your spiritual gifts. So um, that can be one or two ways to kind of test. Like, am I, am, is this a gifting that God's given me? Um, so I think that's a, a way to kind of give you some guidance. Um, I, I would say on a personal level, um, I've found that to be true with uh, administrative gifting. That, to me, is just kind of the way I think. Uh, I think kind of organizationally. I like to think about structures. And, um, you know, the feedback that I've gotten with, with people that I've served alongside, it's like, wow, we're, we're so thankful to have that. And, you know, for me, it, it, it just feels like being me. And so I think that can be um, just another affirmation, like, oh, okay, cool. Like, maybe I should do more of that. Um, because maybe not everybody's that way. And that's, that's probably what you'll find. As you find your gifting, you'll think, oh, well, that's just, that's just how I think. Or I just love having people over. Or I just love, you know, uh, listening uh, to others or being generous with my stuff. Or it's just natural for me. Well, not everybody's that way. And that, maybe that's another clue. Um, so we're going to talk about some of our personal experience and how we kind of serve together, how we uh, help each other um, live out what we believe God's gifted us in and what our, um, what our calling is. So um, one area that Carrie is gifted, I believe, is in uh, discernment. And so I have learned to heed her intuition. <laughs> so, um, you know, if we're talking about something and she's like, yeah, I'm just not sure about that. It's like, okay, my antenna should be up here because that's not my gift. You know, I'm kind of just full speed ahead and you know, and she's like, maybe I want to pause on that one or something. So that's been one way that, that it's played out um, as we've uh, seen how, how we're gifted. Another, you want to talk about how we, the next points here? Yeah, so yeah. we're, uh, the season we're in is we have four young kids. And so a lot of times, um, even though we don't, we wouldn't want to default into divide and conquer. A lot of times the practical reality of our life right now is divide and conquer. And so um, one, 
which is hard for both of us. Both of us have a value for harmony and being together, doing things together. Um, but one of the ways uh, we used to serve in worship together uh, before we had kids, um, and that's a real passion of mine. And so one of the ways that Greg helps me and serves me is that on Sundays, if I am able to sing, he's home with the kids, or he is the one that gets the kids ready, brings them to church, takes them home. You know, when you come early, you, you can't bring all the kids early <laughs> and keep them all day long. So a lot of the time, um, Greg is the one that is stepping up to help enable me to live out my giftings. Um, in some ways, that's worked if he's serving um, on like the elder board or he's on the finance committee or whatever. He'll have to go to a lot of meetings, and I'm home with the kids, that kind of thing. Um, it's, we would love to do everything together, but sometimes, um, and I'm, I'm not going to be on the financial team, so I'm, <laughs> that's fine <laughs> he's the one doing that. Um, but, you know, yeah, a lot of times we just have to kind of divide and conquer. Yep. Yeah, and that's easier said than done. I mean, that, it's hard to do that at times, and um, I think what we've, as we look back on those experiences, it's really rewarding to see, you know, the other person thrive in their gifts. And then see that, you know, this is like you guys were talking about sacrifice. Like, it, there's, a, there's a bounty of blessing that comes uh, from that sacrifice that, you know, she's able to do something which, you know, she can only really do alone. And then same with me, that, that there's um, a richness, I think, that grows in the marriage as, again, a cu- a couples that thrive together are exploring and finding ways to serve together. But that sometimes can be arm in arm. But there are seasons where that just doesn't make sense, or it's harder with the small children. Um, you got some? I, th- I just think one of the principles that we've learned is just to be intentional with each other and um, being on each other's team. I want him to be serving in his giftings, and I want him to be able to um, live out how God has called him. And so I'm on his team, and we're intentional about thinking through what are the ways you are want to be serving right now. And... Um, you know, what are some of the dreams that I'm having that I feel like the Lord is giving me that um, may mean that I need to be away from our family for different times or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's being really intentional and communicating those things. And um, because we love each other, we want to set each other up to serve in the way the Lord has made us. Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel like Carrie's done that Um, for me just in this past year. I've had a shift in my job and I'm in a new business and running a business. It's a business for kingdom purpose and something I've wanted to do for a really long time. And, you know, it's something Carrie's joined me in and praying for. And, you know, even now it's just balancing how, how much am I investing in that and what support does she give to me to do that um, with my time. And it's, again, it's just very rewarding to be able to, to partner on that, but it requires a lot of communication and, you know, how are you doing? How are we doing? Are we, you know, what do you need? Date night is essential for us to get on the same page because, you know, we're just often just ships passing in the night, you know, <laughs> like I come home from work and then she's gone and then get the kids to bed. And then it's just, it can be that way um, when, when we're actively looking to, to exercise these gifts. Um, a couple of things we wanted to share with you guys, I would call them caveats is, um, I would hope that this doesn't feel burdensome to anybody, that there's just, I would say, how was I going to say, two goals for our time today is to raise your vision 
and to lower the bar. <laughs> so like raise your vision for how sweet it can be to be thriving together in serving together and then to lower the bar that ministry can happen anywhere, anytime, even in the context of you as a couple together or with your children doing very small, not glamorous things. So, so I just really want to encourage you guys with that. That would be a, a caveat. And yeah. So one thing I've been trying to do lately is being really intentional with the kids. And um, I see, you know, you're, you're there with your kids, if you have kids. Um, and maybe some of your kids are a little bit older than this, but uh, Ellie is eight. She's our oldest. And so I see her giftings, and I want, I want the Lord to give me, like, I feel like I'm growing in um, words of discernment and words of knowledge. So I want to give her encouragement. And sometimes I feel like the Lord gives me words to say to her. And this is, you know, this is at home. This is maybe Greg's not there because he's doing something or whatever. He's probably with the other kids. Um, But I can use my gifting and my words of encouragement to say, Ellie, I really think you're thriving in this area. I think you're going to be a leader on your team. And I want to see you grow and pray for her. And I feel like the Lord's giving me vision to use giftings that he's given me just in the mundane sort of uh, of my day like I'm, I'm going to be with her anyways um, and so it doesn't always mm-hmm. mean that you have to be outside of your family I mean we were talking about the family being a mini church mm-hmm. um, ask God to show you how you can use um, your giftings in the things you're already doing um, as you go about them yeah and then I think the last thing is that this just looks so different in every season you know we think back We've been married 13 years this fall, and we were married for four or five years before we had kids, and so we, we did a lot of different things, and we really can't do those things that we did then. You know, like lead worship together, it's, it's a lot harder now, or um, just a variety of things that we did that we really enjoyed, but it just looks different now. And then we do a little more divide and conquer for this season, and you know, maybe the next season, you know, something we haven't figured out, we'd love to hear from some of you, what does it look like to serve alongside with kids as they're uh, not four, but six, eight, twelve? You know, they're older. They're able to join you. Um, you know, we we have some uh, ideas and desires there. That, um, but but we're we're still figuring that out. Um, one thing that we will share is she talked about. You guys talked about dreams. Um, we uh, one of the dreams that we have and have thought about for a long time. Um, is to somehow, somewhere, um, be in another country with our children for a few months or more. Um, we used to live, well, we, we lived in China for a year, and we both have been uh, in serving in missions in a variety of ways. So that's something that we pray about um, from time to time. And we don't know how that will happen, when that will happen. It feels kind of crazy. There's probably a window of time where it works with the kids at certain ages, but... Um, just as you guys think about dreams, perhaps that is some, something that would spark an idea for you guys of, you know, what does it look like to, to dream for things that you really want to do with each other or with your yeah, family? Kind of the intersection of your spiritual giftings and your dreaming. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so um, let's read this last verse and then we'll transition. This is, a, a, I think, a nice way to summarize and close. This is so good, you guys. It's so good. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So listen up because it's so good. Um, It says, So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. 
We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. It's so good. With the Lord, we can't fail. And it's just so encouraging. You can take a step and risk and take, take a step of faith. Um, and God is with you, and he's guiding you, and you won't fail because he's the one that's going to succeed through you. Yeah, and if you have his Holy Spirit, you have gifts. God has given you gifts. And um, on that sheet, we suggested you to check three or four. Maybe it's one that just stands out. You know, there's no, there's no bar, and, uh, but there is one. I'm confident of that, that if God's given you his Holy Spirit, he's given you one of those things. And part of your life in Christ is to understand what that is and live that out. And there's a lot of flourishing and thriving, certainly in your marriage and your personal life um, that comes when you, when you know what that is. Um, so we're going to take about seven to ten minutes and go through that exercise. Um, you've got the paper. Do it yourself first and then compare. And then there's a few questions to kind of guide you guys through that process. And then we'll reconvene. We are coming to the end, and we're going to finish early. Isn't that great? So, but I would be remiss if we didn't, uh, and I wanted to piggyback a little bit off of Greg and Carrie's um, sharing about spiritual giftings and seasons, mm-hmm. especially. Um, we're farther along in that season, but I remember a time specifically when. Uh, our giftings were being used in a different arena, primarily. Uh, we were uh, serving in a church as associates uh, down in um, Arroyo Grande. And um, <clears throat> stage of life, uh, my dad started developing Alzheimer's. And my mom with crippling arthritis. And so we actually had to move them in to our home. And we really pulled back almost all our service to the, the body that we are a part of. And because of the need to just serve with our giftings and our love and compassion to my parents. And, and I'm so thankful for Vicki um, being such a vital part of that, even though they weren't, quote, her parents. And um, my mother especially was a difficult woman to live with. Um, and my dad was a saint. Um, and, you know, it's just, just reality, but there were some reasons behind that, so I don't want you to get the wrong impression. Um, anyway, the point is, is that my wife served with compassion and mercy and good ways, and, and yet at the same time, it was really interesting that for some of the people uh, in the church, they were offended that we were pulling back from, quote, what they viewed as our duty, Interesting. Uh, Honoring your mother and father, I thought, was part of that process. So, you know, that was, we had to process, work through that hurt, work through that process. But that was a season of time where uh, the four-wall 
area of service just was not there. And, and we knew that that was our God, God's calling for us. Very, very important. And as far as the giftings that you begin to identify, um, as Greg and Carrie so well expressed how it works within a four-wall community like we call Calvary Slow, um, it also works well with our neighbors, our coworkers. Um, we have had uh, different ministries that outreach to our community, whether a coffee ministry, where we're serving the poor on the streets. Uh, we also have had uh, mentoring uh, foster kids, uh, girls and boys, for years where people just gave up their time and love to love and mentor and serve uh, the needy in our community with our children uh, in our community. So this area of serving and gifting is so broad-ranging and has seasons and has fluctuations. So I want you to, to think about all of that in, in concert with what Greg and, and Carrie had to share um, as to being flexible and usable and, and uh, amenable to times and seasons and who and where within community or family, how that these giftings work within that process. So hopefully that's just a a sweet little cherry on top of the ice cream that they served in giving us. So as we end tonight, today, um, I want to give a time of just asking the Lord in practicing some of these gifts, word gifts, is being able to say, uh, Lord, is there something you'd like to say to some of us as a couple? And to see if God might give us uh, a, you know, something he wants to give to you as a personal word to you as a couple in your marriage. And so we're just going to spend some time. I've asked some couples to be thoughtful about that, um, but that doesn't restrict if, if you feel God gives you something for somebody at your table. Uh, we'll hand you the microphone, and you can just share what you feel God's laying on your heart for them. Maybe a word of encouragement, maybe something that you see that maybe God has for their future in generalities, or just something that you want to give. Uh, this is a time to do that and exercise uh, some of these things. So... Um, Let's just ask him to make himself known. Uh, Jesus said, you know, it's the Father's desire to give us good gifts. Uh, let's believe that. And let's see what he might do in the next 15 minutes or so before we say goodbye. So why don't you join me and Vicki. Father, you are so abundant in giving gifts to your children. And as Greg and Carrie so well explained, these gifts are as we've looked at this list, are, are so diverse and yet also sometimes mysterious as you, the invisible God, make yourself known in so many ways and how you operate and how you work and how you demonstrate is so diverse. Um, we just want to give time in a sense of just how you might want to make yourself known in, in a tangible way by uh, maybe having a personal um, encouragement that you might want to give to some of our couples here today uh, that you know so well intimately. So we're just asking that you might express your heart uh, and your mind and how you feel and what you think about your children here in this room. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So
Okay. I don't want to interrupt if there's more prayer going on. Um, just in moving forward as we, we leave from here, remember at the beginning I talked, we talked, or I talked. <laughs> Let's, I hate that as, you know, a speaker or a pastor. We talked about it. No, we didn't talk about it. You talked. <laughs> it's one of my pet peeves. Um, I talked about opposition. Um, I can guarantee you that you will face opposition to what you are seeking to do in this process of your marriage and how you employ some of these structured things to help build in different areas of your marriage. You are going to have opposition. Don't let that deter you. Stand your ground for what God has given you. Hold that ground. Stand strong in what you've been given by God this weekend uh, in different ways. Hold on to it. Stand your ground and resist and move forward in that face of opposition. Okay? Um, I have one last thing. And again, I, I don't know your name. Uh, you and Vanessa. <clears throat> um, I, I really... Uh, sensed and felt, now you can confirm or deny this, um, that in, in some ways uh, you're, you feel more comfortable as a follower. Um, is that accurate? Okay. Good. Because you, you also want to ask, is that resonating? Maybe that's me. Maybe, you, know, you always want to ask those kind of questions. Um, I feel like you're walking behind where Jesus is at, kind of like the picture for uh, my friend here. The Lord wants you, he wants to propel you into leadership areas. Now, that may frighten you. <clears throat> That's an unknown. <clears throat> I don't know what that is, but I just had that sense. You know, it's like he, the father saying, come on, Vanessa. Let's run ahead. I want you to run ahead with me. <clears throat> so um, whatever that means, give some thought, some prayer attention to that. Uh, maybe talk with your husband. Um, you know what that means or maybe he's had some thoughts uh, for him to pray for you for that but he wants to propel you forward into some leadership areas and because he inside of you is a leader and so he wants you to find that place what that may be maybe small maybe I don't know what that means but just come on Vanessa <laughs> may you be like Mary when the angel told her that she was going to bear the Messiah, her response wasn't, I can't do it, I don't have it, I'm a young virgin, how, how I, I can't, I don't have it. Her response to the Lord was, be it done to me according to your will. It's about what he can do in you and through you, Vanessa. It has nothing, very little to do with who you are, who I am, what I bring to the table, what you bring to the table. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, but let me just finish. In general, if, you know, sometimes in this arena when we have times of waiting on him, uh, maybe you didn't personally receive something, um, that doesn't mean God doesn't care and want to do that, okay? That can sometimes be a reaction to, you know, when we have times like this. So if there's something, I mean, you probably heard personal words all during the weekend for you through the material. Um, there's a lot there. But the Lord wants to continue to encourage you and strengthen you 
and he wants you to listen well to his voice because his voice is faithful. So, Let's, We're just going to close with a quick word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you for what you've done. Thank you for giving us, granting us the gift of marriage. Mm. Thank you for our spouses, Lord. Thank you for what you've called us to. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, would you protect any and everything that was from you, blow away the chaff, and help us, Holy Spirit, to plow in the truths, Father, that you're speaking specifically to us. We commit ourselves to you. We ask you that you, for your protection as we go, help us to re-enter home with grace.